Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Saywood on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute, and a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1, from racing to politics, tech, news and business. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here, so we can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and yeah, yeah, I know, you just want me to shut up so you can hear from Joe, but I must get some housekeeping out of the way for you fine listeners, because there's a lot coming up. Save the date, guys. Missed Apex Podcast is going live. We will be recording a live podcast, and you're invited to come along. It will be in London on July the 14th. It will be free to come along, and there will be podcasting quizzes and a chance to meet the Missed Apex crew, including me, Bradley Philpot, Jeansy, Sparkles, Summers F1, and more. And have some beers with us. All you have to do is email spannersready at gmail.com and say that you're interested. Just one word if you want, interested. I'll add you to the mailing list, and when all the details are decided, I will tell you them. And there's one more save the date. Missed Apex podcast is carting at Daytona Milton Keynes on June the 30th. Details will be post-show, but email me again, spannersready at gmail.com, and I'll add you to the list. Last time we had 10 on the waiting list, so get in quick. Now then, sorry, sorry, this week I am joined by Paddock Talisman Joe Lights Out Saywood. How's it going, Joe? Oh, what the hell? Yeah, I'll be a talisman. I thought I was something was sort of tacked onto a sort of Irishman's coat or something. I just look in the thesaurus for, like, other words for good. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Talisman seems like a load of old rubbish to me, but what the hell? What the hell? I'll accept any kind of abuse. I can't come to either of your events, by the way. Oh, that's a shame, Joe. You should just make well, one it... of them's on the Austrian Grand Prix weekend, yes. so duh. And the, and the other one is my only weekend off in about five weeks, so I'm going home, otherwise I'll be in trouble. Now, I, I, Little Bird says that that might be your birthday, Joe. Is it a big one? Is it a big birthday? My, my birthday is always big. I live in France and it's on July the 14th, so I always have my own firework displays. 
Handy. Uh, I was just inspired, though, by your live events, Joe. I mean, we're going for 20 folk and not 200, but I think I'm going to copy your wine-based speaking technique. <laughs> you mean I drink a lot and everyone else listens? That seems like a good plan to me. I mean, it was an impressive amount, to be fair. I don't think I could stand while doing that. Well, old habits die hard, I suppose. It was completely and utterly, um, it doesn't have any effect on me anymore, so there you are. Uh, it's a shame you can't make it, because surely you can't think of anything better than sitting in a room listening to me trying to be entertaining. Well, I can think of a couple of things, but there you are. You know, what the hell? <laughs> Joe, it's really, really hot here in the UK, so if I seem slightly different, I did drag my family to the pub once I realised how hot it was going to be, and said, right, you guys play on the swings, daddy's having a beer. Uh, have you enjoyed the French sunshine? I have, yes, and I've been imbibing myself. So there we are. I dare say we can get wild and wacky. In fact, I need a lot more than that to get wild and wacky, but there you are. So I can't imagine the amount of alcohol it would take to make you wild and wacky, Joe. I hope to find <laughs> out one day. I hope to find out. Well, actually, I'm told that this time last year in Baku, I arrived at great speed to the welcome party and managed to down a lot of alcohol in a very short time, and apparently I was quite lively thereafter. But I try to avoid it because it does... Um, it does make the rest of the weekend rather complicated. Yeah, everything's just that little bit harder for that few hours of fun, isn't it? Well, you're a younger man than I am, so I'll take your word for it. But uh, I have to say that recovery periods, as you get older, get harder. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do feel like I've gone over some thresholds in that department. I am trying to push through it bravely, though. But Joe, mm-hmm. uh, we have just had two absolutely stonking races since we spoke to you last, and it's something that I've been banging on about since the end of the Bahrain Grand Prix but it's two modern tracks and two absolute stonkers I don't think any old style track Barcelona Hungary Silverstone maybe Monaco would have delivered the two races we've seen there with modern F1 cars completely disagree with that um Spa would have done it Suzuka would have done it I think that uh I don't think it's got anything to do with the age of the track it's just you know that as I've said before, it's not rocket scientists. There must be a way of studying which tracks allow overtaking and then replicating the necessary criteria so that all tracks can have overtaken. Now, maybe you can't do that in places like Monaco, but it's to do with a number of different things. It's to do with corner profiles. It's to do with um, camber. It's to do with grow, um, tarmac quality. It's to do with lots of different things, but at the end of the day, some tracks you can overtake and some tracks you can't, and there must be a science behind it. So maybe we're wasting our time, all this effort going into cars, we should be looking at circuits. Oh, I absolutely agree, but isn't that kind of the philosophy of the Tilkadromes, where they were trying to design these tracks specifically for racing, whether or not it succeeded or not is another thing? Uh, Well, there might be better people qualified than Tilka to do that. But as Tilka had a monopoly, which is a bit odd. Uh, however, the world has changed. Tilka may not have a monopoly in the modern era. Um, there are other people who are, appear to be quite good at designing racetracks. So um, we'll have to see how it goes. Not that I think that many new racetracks are going to get built in the, in the current era, but uh, I'd like to see some revamps of some of the tracks where overtaking is next to impossible. Joe disagreeing with spanners, Michael Howlin says. Familiarity is comforting sometimes. Hello to the live chat room. You can find us on YouTube by searching Missed Apex Podcast, clicking the little bell, and you'll get a notification every time we go live. Um, what could we do 
to places like, say, for example, Silverstone, if we wanted to bring them up into the modern era, are you talking about like you're fundamentally changing the track layouts or, you know, little tweaks here and there? What's wrong with Silverstone? Uh, Silverstone's a bad example. Let's go for Barcelona, where they end up following each other pretty much year on year. Well, the best thing to do in Barcelona is to use some bulldozers, I think. Really? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's logical. You have to, you know, if, if you, you work out what you need to have and then you put it in place, the only reason you can't put it in place is if there is no possibility to do it. So, for example, at Suzuka, uh, you can't put more runoff in the wiggly bits up the hill because it's just not possible. There's no space to do it. Um, Monaco, there's no space. Mm-hmm. I did see something the other day saying that the Prince Albert of Monaco was uh, open to the possibility that when they pull a bit more sea into the land, um, well, you know, reclaim land in right, other words, got it. Um, that there might be the possibility of changing the Monaco circuit, which is necessary, to be honest, because the Monaco circuit is, is dire when it comes to overtaking. Having said that, if you go to Monaco for the first time, you've never been there, you're going to get bowled over by what an amazing thing you're watching. So, you know, one has to balance the two things. Um, you don't want spectacle. The other thing is that overtaking uh, should be difficult, shouldn't be easy. Um, if it's easy, everyone can do it. So uh, I think, you know, what we want is, I thought I thought that in uh, in Shanghai, it was a good example where the overtakes were fairly dramatic because it had to be. Um, Dan Ricciardo's slithering down the inside was a bit of a classic. I mean, he didn't miss the other bloke by much, did he? (laughs) No, but I think he probably had a bit of faith that Bottas was likely to give him room. Bottas is fairly respectful in those wheel-to-wheel combat situations. Well, yes, you could say that. Um, Other people might say that he left the door open, you know, so... It's always the way. Uh, I, I think, you know, whatever you do in Formula One, you're going to get someone criticizing. You know, people People are now saying that Max Verstappen should change his driving style. Oh, please, no. Oh, please, no. What we don't need is some boring old nobody who does nothing. I'd much rather have Max who crashes occasionally and learns from his mistakes. Somebody in our panel WhatsApp group during the race, as soon as Verstappen hit Vettel, the comment was, Oh, Max, you fool, you wonderful, wonderful fool, because his driving has a character that we need. And like, how many times do we just sit there wishing people would go for it? We can't suddenly start shooting him down when he does it. Or what are we going to tell young drivers who are coming in? The media is going to slate you if you actually try and go racing. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, uh, but you know, half the racing media hasn't got a clue what it's talking about. So uh, I think that's an important thing to bear in mind. Um, there's a whole load of people who don't even go to races. They don't know what it's to do. You know, they don't actually know what they're looking at. Um, and they certainly don't know the people. So, you know, I, I think that one just has to generally, I mean, I don't, I hate to say it, but you know, one has to ignore most of the media these days because it's just tosh. But it's it's easier to write the headline, Max Verstappen uh, shooting over the edge needs to calm down than uh, Max Verstappen needs to take a measured adjustment to his current driving style in order to ensure future opportunities are taken. You know, that that's not a headline grabber, is it? No, but then again, what's better for the sport? I, I think Max Verstappen is brilliant for the sport. I mean, if he's going to so get it right, I. he's going to get he's, it wrong. He's the best yeah. thing we've got at the moment, so... Well, he's not the best thing we've got. We've also got Fernando Alonso, but he's always whining and whinging when things don't go right. So, but he is a, a monstrous talent as a driver. So, I don't want to. 
I don't want to drift too far away from the tracks because you made a comment there about it looks like we're not going to be getting any new circuits anytime soon. And I think, let me, let me give credit where it's due because I'm not good at doing this in the chat room on the Joe shows because it's me on my own. Uh, I think it's, oh, here we go, about street circuits. Anyway, the fact is they, every rumor we hear is a street circuit, London, Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that the, is the reason they're going there? Is it cheaper to set up on those than it is to... No, it's more expensive. But, you know, look, first of all, let's not judge anything until we know, because I think that Zandvoort's quite likely to come back too, Um, because there's obvious reasons why there should be a Dutch Grand Prix. Um, Yes, of course. At the the moment, we have got Hanoi, which is going to happen, the Vietnamese Grand Prix, which is basically a Chinese race. Um... Or at least that will be the audience. Uh, we have Copenhagen trying very hard. Not sure it'll happen, but it's, you know, at the moment they're still cruising along. We have, uh, Miami, which uh, seems to be coming along and it's going to be a street circuit. But, you know, there is logic in having street circuits. You take the racing to the people. That's what Formula E is doing. And the only thing is that Formula E is taking a bad product to the people. Um, Whereas, well, it is a bad product. Sorry, you know, you can you can try to dress it up, but it's just a very poor product. It's like watching Formula E with, uh, sorry, Formula Four with no noise. You know, it's just it's just it's just hopeless. Really. Be sure to tune in uh, to E Radio Show by Miss Apex Podcast for their recent Rome review. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, well, uh, be I, I, that as it may, you know, you, you can, you can, you can talk rubbish about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but I, t- I tell you what, I think it, what it is, is we're optimistic about Formula E and we understand that it's not a finished product, but we are kind of trying to cheerlead it because we think something about it is right and we want something about it to succeed. Well, I think the answer to that is get a good chemist on, onto the show and have a chat about <laughs> batteries. And when you've done that, you can realize that it's just, a pipe dream, which might happen, electric cars this is, in about 40 years they might be able to compete. Now, in cities they can compete before then, but it's still a massive, it's still a massive uh, leap forward. Now, admittedly, most of the world's population live in cities, but pretty much everybody who's got a car does want to go outside the cities at some point, and you yeah. can't in an electric car. So you've got to find a way um, of making them better. And the fact is that it's still down to batteries. And, you know, Formula E is only going full race distances in the future because they're loading more batteries in there. The batteries are not getting better at a fast rate. The, the, the battery development is between 5 and 8% per year and has been for a thousand years. Yeah, it's a point I've been trying to make to people that battery tech is linear. The, the automotive trade is not going to suddenly produce batteries that are more efficient. And, and if they do, it will be involving wildly exotic uh, metals that are very, very difficult to find and very expensive. So, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, to find an answer to solutions, but there are no easy solutions. Uh, no, but and, and, and I will caution people to say it looks like there's a lot of progress because the automotive industry is maximizing what is available. So what you're seeing is the automotive industry and Formula E catching up and optimizing what is available now rather than pushing it forward. So it's going to plateau at some point. Or to put it another way, it's the automotive industry trying to uh, throw a curveball at the public 
to get away from the diesel scandal <laughs> that Audi and co have suffered from and trying to get away from the fact that cars are supposed to be bad by telling everyone they're green and wonderful. And uh, I, my opinion is that there's an awful lot of flash and bang going on like the magicians you know you hear a bang and a flash and you look that way but in fact they're doing stuff the other way uh, look into my eyes yeah, look into my eyes not around my eyes look directly into my eyes so if we're going to get more street circuits though i mean the street circuits we've got aren't amazing for races unless you factor in the chaos element like baku and singapore baku, baku's a really terrific racetrack i mean i'm not a big fan of the country <laughs> But it is, um, it's, it's a fantastic racetrack. Singapore is not a great racing circuit, but it is a hell of a spectacle. And you've got to bear in mind that racing is also about spectacle. And night racing around Singapore is something that you just have to go and see. It's like going to see Monaco. You have to say, wow, these guys are nutters. This is what they do. Bahrain was wonderful in that respect because these dusk races they're having now. Okay, it's not a street circuit, but it but it's good. I mean, then you also have somewhere like Montreal, which is a street circuit without the buildings. Oh, one day, Joe. One day, your chief bag carrier is going to be stricken down with illness and I'll be there like I am every Grand Prix weekend just waiting for that call. I'm ready, Joe. I've been pumping my shoulders and arms. I can lift and carry. Yeah, but I'm the bag carrier, so... Don't believe it. Don't believe him. Joe Saywood has an entourage that follows him absolutely everywhere. No, I don't. I wish. I absolutely wish. That would be great. But uh, if you ever bump into me into the airport, I'm just lugging bags around. That's what I do best. It's my best form of exercise, actually. That's where I get my exercise. I do notice that when we catch you on these flyaway back-to-back uh, -back type things, there is a, you know, not a, I'm not saying you look terrible. I'm just saying there's a certain, you can see that the trip has taken it out of you. Um, What's it like with that kind of back-to-back, -back, out to Asia, back to the UK, brace yourself, ready to go out to Baku? Um, well, it's been a bit – that's been okay, this one. I've, I've been a bit sleepy in the afternoon sometimes. and I get that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I'm just yeah, lazy. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's hard, but, you know, the thing is that, that we often don't realize that we're so accustomed to doing it. If a normal person started to do what we do, they would fall apart quite quickly because we're used to doing it. And it's a bit like getting sick. You see new people coming along, joining Formula One. After about six months, they, they tend to get sick because, you know, it's just really knocking it out of them. So you, you have to have years and years of, of sort of, you know, building up your um, strength, I suppose. You, I don't know what you call it, but building up the ability to do what we do. Um, without you know ending up with uh, just dropping dead, you know. So uh, it is it is a bit bonkers um, what we do, but you know that's part of the game. Do you get ill from when you do your audiences with Joe and you've got lots of F one nerds touching you? No, 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 no. I don't get ill from anything apart from stopping running at the end of the season um, when you relax a little bit. You get sick because you've relaxed. And the, 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 it's a very psycho, psychological, psychological, psychosomatic thing. Psychosomatic, yeah. Well, it's, it's anti it, it is. It is basically when you know you can afford to be ill, you get ill. But if you're in the, in the mid-season, you haven't got time to get ill. You might get a you know, snuffle or this, but you don't get really ill. You don't get sort of laid up with flu or anything like that. <laughs> Can't Tom. afford to. Uh, let's have a look there. N European in the chat room says, Spa is already trying to block... Zandvoort, but they don't have leverage, really? Is there inter-mid-Europe 
track skullduggery going on? I've heard it said, yes. No, no, it's not that they're trying to... Look, if you're Spa, you are surviving on the Verstappen crowd. Before Verstappen came along, they had nothing. And as much as I like Stoffel van Dorn, I don't think Stoffel's got the same kind of army marching out from Brussels uh, to get excited not yet. In, the hills, not yet. In, in the hills of uh, the Ardennes. Um, Max's fans, I don't know what the number was last year, but it was like half of Holland was there. So uh, if there is a Dutch Grand Prix, that could, I'm not saying it will, but that could reduce the number of people who would go to Spa. It might not, but, you know, obviously they're worried about that. So they don't particularly want to have a Dutch Grand Prix. Half the people in Holland don't think a Dutch Grand Prix is possible because um, you have the usual naysayers. And But I actually think it is possible. And I think it's it's something that will happen eventually because I think everybody wants it to happen. So are we talking like Dick Dastardly type tactics here? What can Spa do to stop it? Not much. Right. <laughs> make, make noise and... Well, they can put up roadblocks, I suppose. But, I, you know, it, no, I don't see anything they can do, to be honest. I think it's just playing a political game and trying to argue that it's not a good idea. I mean, there are other questions to be taken into account. For example, when are all these races going to go onto the calendar? When is Copenhagen going to fit in? Yeah. If you look at the world we have now, it's already jam-packed. So um, Copenhagen has about three days of not snow. So... No, I don't know about that. It seems to me that they seem to have these sort of summer months when it's quite jolly. But um, I don't know. I haven't been there for about 30 years. So um, looking forward to Baku. We just touched on that. The chat room, uh, Sabir T says, thank you, Baku. Artemy X points out that Baku welcomed us all. Uh, do you think we're going to see those fake banners up again with the, the kind of green screen uh, Baku propaganda? Uh, are, apart from the racing, um, are we, are we going to have you know more cardboard cutout buildings, do you think, this year? I mean, it is what it is. They're trying to be something that they're not. Um, and there's always going to be some people who say, well, hang on a minute, it's not really like that. But you've got to, you've got to take your hats off them for trying, you know. Yep. They've, got ton, they've got tons and tons of oil. They've got a bit of seafront. Uh, admittedly, I wouldn't swim in the Caspian because I think it glows at night. But, you know, it's, it is... Um, they're trying to do something there uh, for better or for worse, but at least they're trying. So, you know, yep. is it any different to Abu Dhabi who, who, you know, built this racetrack around a fake harbor? Not really. Is it any different to uh, Shanghai, frankly? I mean, it, yes, yes, it is and it isn't. I mean, they're, they're all different in their own sweet ways, but... Um, I, I tend to think that Formula One should go to places and try to stay above the politics. Now, that's easily is easier said than done, particularly if you feel you're being used as a propaganda tool. But, you know, um, I don't know the answer to that. That's there fair is... enough. I, I, but I, I like that you sort of acknowledge the effort of it. I mean, Avi... Avakesh in the chat room says, well done, Baku. Um, but Sabre T is also saying, Joe, you're going to be happy about Paul Ricard, uh, a short trip from your home. That's going to cut down in your travel, isn't it? No. No, no, no. Paul Ricard is further than Silverstone. Oh, is it? Oh, no. For me. Because, you know, France is a big country. And to go down to Paul Ricard is not very different from going to Monza, to be honest, or Monaco. So uh, will it be a good event? That's another question. Um, Paul Ricard has a problem it had in 1991 when we last went there, or 19, 
90, I can't remember which year, but it has shocking access roads. And there were monstrous traffic jams, and it's not really, it's nothing different. Nothing has changed. Um, if, only, if, if anything, there'll be more people trying to get up their road. So, you know, if they can pull it off, fine. I don't see that as being a long term, uh, future. It's a sort of leftover from the Bernie era deal. Um, and it doesn't really fit into the whole concept of Liberty Media taking racing to the people. They will have a, a, a street festival in Marseille, which is Ooh. a while, quite a long way away. So like but, London Live, but Marseille Live. I suppose it's a bit like London Live with Silverstone, but the, the distance, I think, is further. Um, I mean, not as big as they're going to have one in Berlin for Hockenheim. So that's a pretty major hike across country. And the other one is Miami for Austin. <laughs> so, you know, what they're trying to do is raise, they're trying to raise the awareness of Formula One in individual countries. So. My good effort. Yeah. yeah. Tell you what. Tell you what, we've got some questions from the chat room, I think, which will make a good topic about the last two races. I am dying to get your opinion on Daniel Ricciardo, because I think we talked pre-season about what we thought he would be up to. Uh, I think, if I recall, you were saying he needs to stop thinking about other teams and concentrate on beating Max Verstappen, which he did on the weekend by being less outrageous, biding his time a little bit more and not crashing into Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. But I don't want to be a party pooper. But if you look at it, just step back a little, Red Bull as a team did a blinding call, which got them the tyre delta to get up to the front. Daniel Ricciardo was still the second Red Bull. It was still Max Verstappen's to lose, which he did. So, you know, apart from the fact he's just won a race, where does that kind of put him now in the F1 market? I don't think it's really... the, The people who are going to decide on his future will be looking at those things and they will recognize exactly what the situation is now. Now, Daniel's a good guy. He's a very good racing driver. He's just in the team against Max Verstappen, which makes him look less good than he is. He's also a great character, which is important. Um, I mean, I, people may think it's disgusting to drink champagne out of a boot, but I quite like the idea. I it, think it's it funny. Is. I, it I don't is, think kill anybody, to be honest. I'll drink champagne out of anything, pretty much. But, you know... Um, <laughs> um, but it is, you know, it's good that it's good that we have people like him, and it's good that now he is very good. He's a very, very good racing driver. The problem is that Red Bull is just not quite there. Now, it has better aero than McLaren, and it has better aero than Red Bull at the moment. One assumes that the engines are the same, and therefore, because it's ahead of those other two, one can assume that it's down to the chassis. So. I think they are once again uh, handicapped by the motors, and yeah, you know, I think that's getting to that's getting to be very frustrating because that's a problem that hasn't gone away. And I think that Max is suffering from that probably more than Daniel because Daniel is a little bit older. Yeah, actually, quite a lot older. He's twenty-seven, um, I think. Yes, well, that's, mm-hmm. that's you know sort of a third of his life older. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think he's better equipped to deal with that kind of frustration than Max is. Perhaps, perhaps. Max is pretty, he's a pretty cool individual, but, you know, he's disappointed. He wants to get on and win things. And and I think you see that in lots of young drivers if they're in the wrong team. And what we have to see is, you know, can Red Bull ever close that gap or un, until we have new engines? You know, 
maybe that's what it's going to take. But in the meantime, uh, they're doing everything they can, but they're still just not close enough. They can only pick up the scraps that fall from the table. They can't get on the table and start, you know, dealing with, or at least we don't think they can, because to be fair, we've only seen uh, three racetracks and that may not be the case that everything is very, very circuit specific these days. The uh, the performance, if you look at what's happened with Mercedes and Ferrari, they've been yo-yoing backwards and forwards based on the on the individual circuit. So, you know, it can and also based on temperatures as well. It's another it's another element one has to take into account. So I think you know, perhaps we will see better performance later in the year from Red Bull. But I think fundamentally, um, Daniel, if he stays where he is, he's got to beat Max. Yeah. And if he goes, are they going to take him at Ferrari where he'll destabilize Vettel? Or are they going to replace uh, Botas or Hamilton with him? You just Not said sure. Botas, like Matt Trumpets does, Botas. That's good. What should, what should I say? I don't know. We're British. We just say it how we want, don't we? Bottas. Can I defend Daniel Ricciardo for a second? Uh, not that you were attacking him. Not I was that you, say, oh, was yeah, I attacking No, 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 not at all. Um, I, I thought it sort of seemed like I was a little bit. But in Ricciardo's defence, Max Verstappen is kind of going out all or nothing. And it's a bit like, you know, it's a confirmation bias. If you get rid of all the times that he crashes out or punts somebody, which we kind of have done in the past and point to just Brazil in the wet and go, wow, he's amazing. It's easier to look good like that because you've almost got double the chances to look good. Daniel Ricciardo is quietly impressive and gets on with it. Now, I think that that's got to be worth something. And I wouldn't mind laying down a bet that Ricciardo beats Verstappen on points this season, even if he doesn't always look fastest. It can't always just be about what your ultimate pace could have been. No, no, but it's, it's very simple what it's about. It's about the points you get at the end of the yeah. year. That's all that matters, which is why Kimi Raikkonen is fundamentally uh, not the right person for that job. Um, you know, he's he, the percentages, I did some sums the other day, the percentages of points scored by him as a second driver um, are just not good enough. Bottas no. outdid him first first season straight away, and that's you know the percentage of the whole. So Bottas was at forty six last year, and I think Kimi was at thirty six. But in the first year at Ferrari, Kimi was at twenty five. You know, um, so yeah, a second driver should be getting close to fifty. You wouldn't expect him to be over fifty, obviously, because then he'd be the first driver, wouldn't he? But um, you know, forty six, which is what Bottas did last year, is a pretty good score, and that's what the kind of thing you need, because if you're not in the game and not playing part of the strategy, um, you know, you leave your other driver on his own to fight uh, single-handed. And as we've seen in, in races this year, you know, sometimes it's useful to have a second driver. I mean, Kimi actually um, tried to back up Botas into, um, into Vettel. Over the weekend, yeah, tried. <laughs> Actually, well, well, he forced him no, into he, a, no, a tough overtake, didn't he? Yeah, he, he he succeeded in in losing Bottas a lot of time, not not in any dirty way, but just in you know, in doing so, he sort of sacrificed his own race a little bit. Um, oddly enough, with the safety car, it came back into his favour um, later on. But even then, he still didn't manage to do as good a job as the two red bullies. Well, yeah. one of the, one of the red bullies and the other red bully crashing into things, but yeah. you, know. you have to say Daniel Daniel raced better 
and he absolutely deserved that win. And I, I think that if Max Verstappen is going to really have an introspective look at himself and he ends up removing that from his personality and his makeup, does he risk losing some ultimate pace? Does he risk losing some of his razzmatazz? Yes, of course he does. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it'll cross Max's mind to do that. Max will just go on doing it and he'll get it right next time. You know, I think it's just, I think the accidents are the cause of frustration more than anything else. I don't think it's about talent. I don't think it's about anything other than, oh God, I just need to win. I'm just glad yeah. I wasn't on telly when I was 20 trying to do my thing. That's, that's all I can say. I've got a question from Matt Lyons. Um, he says, Spanners, is it too obvious to ask Joe? <laughs> all my questions are obvious. Uh, what's going on with the tyres this year? The main reason for his question is the Mercedes struggle. Now, this is the elephant in the room. Lewis Hamilton, four-time world champion. I don't think Bottas suddenly became much faster than Lewis Hamilton in the course of a weekend. It's clear that Lewis Hamilton is in himself struggling. Are the tyres the reason? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, good. Okay. I would say well, not just the tyres. It's to do with setup. If your setup's not right, your tyres aren't right. But these tyres have such limited windows that, in, particularly in the case of the Mercedes, oddly enough, um, we saw a very good example in qualifying. In Q2, the Mercedes was bang on the pace. Um and in Q3, they were off the pace again. So, you know, one has to look at the um, the operating windows of these tyres. And it seems that Ferrari have got bigger operating windows than Mercedes does. Now, Mercedes needs to fix that, obviously, because uh, in the races, they're pretty closely matched. Yeah. I think But now in qualifying, whereas last year, Mercedes had the advantage. This year, it seems that Ferrari does. So, you know, we have to see... Uh, everybody's improving all the time and uh, you know that's the key to it it's just development 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 yeah and uh, we've seen like a few of these kind of struggles if you go down the grid if you look at Haas where last season Grosjean was regularly beating Kevin Magnussen and now it, it definitely looks like Magnussen's the lead driver um, and that was a point raised there by Marcus Maldonado ha, nice name uh, that may be to do with other questions, not just tyres. It may be to do with the fact that Kevin's learning and moving up and yes. gaining in confidence. It may be the fact that, that uh, Roma is still struggling. He's just not very keen on the braking situation. No. And he's when it's not right, he doesn't seem to be able to get the most out of a car, whereas Kevin just drives around problems a little bit, I think. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And I think that you know. This is one of the joys of Formula One, which is comparing teammates. And it, you can't just say in a linear fashion, well, he beat him at this point, therefore he's better. Because drivers develop. Drivers become less interested in, in being in Formula One as they get older, generally speaking. They get other things in life that are more important. You know, tons of money, wicked women, children. Boats, whenever houses, they announce that an F1 driver has yeah, had a baby, I always think, well, that's that then. Like, how can you possibly a concentrate on a race when you've been up all night uh, for the week before? And secondly, like my missus wouldn't let me away for a Grand Prix weekend if she was in the wrong mood <laughs> with a baby. She'd like, no, I don't I don't care if you've got to clinch the championship in Abu Dhabi. You've got to come home. Well, I think there may be something to do with large horse choking wedges of money uh, <laughs> that may yeah, persuade yeah. people that it's a good idea that little Fred goes off to motor race <laughs> occasionally. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, one has to bear in mind that, you know, any, any woman who tried that on a Formula One drive would generally get slung out the door. You know, these guys are pretty selfish and pretty single-minded. So, um, however... It sounds like you're saying that a Formula One driver is a, a better marriage partner th than me. But, okay, I'm just going to brush past that. It, continue your point. I mean, I'm insulted, no, no, but... I don't think I was saying that at all. I'm saying that you know, if, you, if, you, if you're uh, insisting on something, the chances of you getting thrown out from a womanly <laughs> point of view are, are far higher. Yeah, I'll because... take what I can get, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've completely thrown you off, Joe. Uh, why don't we talk about telly? Let's talk about telly for a little bit. Um, you wrote a little blog post uh, about Netflix and F1, but you missed the best headline, surely, which was Netflix and Thrill. No? I have no idea what that means. You've is missed that, that, that pop something? culture reference. Um, okay, let's uh, move Cultural swiftly on Cultural reference then. in UK doesn't work to a man who's been abroad too long. Fair enough. Good point. But Netflix is collaborating with Formula One. I'm taking it that this was kind of inspired by the behind the scenes at McLaren. Um, maybe, but I don't really think so. I think it's the fact that Netflix has a massive majority audience in the United States of America, and they don't have anything relating to Formula One. So it serves both parties, really. Uh, Netflix are looking for good sports content and Formula One wants good penetration in the States. So it sort of works for the two. Uh, right. And Amazon Amazon have got the Grand Parade or the great whatever it's called, you know, the big show. Grand Tour. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Jeremy and the gang doing their thing with loads of money. Now, I can't say I've watched it, but, um, uh, you know, that seems to be very popular. So they're in season three, I believe. They're filming season three now. So... They're obviously doing something right. But, you know, Netflix has got a pile of money to spend and they're looking for good stories. And I think the inside uh, inside Formula One soap opera is a pretty good option, really. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy that these kind of carriers are getting more and more um, into sport because it's quite easy to buy up a load of TV series or have something like Westworld or Game of Thrones come out. Um, that's a bad example, Game of Thrones, because that's now TV. Uh, sorry, Sky. But 
it's easier to do that. The thing that's been protected by this internet over the top, watch what you want, where you want, when you want it over the internet is live sports. Live sports just hasn't made that transition. But if something like Netflix is getting really interested in Formula One, then you can imagine in five, ten years that you start having these kind of bespoke a la carte services where you can say, I just want to buy F1 for four quid. You can buy F1 for four quid in Formula One's own over-the-top service in a lot of countries. Not in this one. No, not in that one, but in time it will come. And anyway, listen, get a VPN and get it sorted because you'll be able to do it. Joe, obviously you don't keep up on the Twitters. Uh, F1 have clearly said it will be VPN proof. So that'll be that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Chinese say that China is VPN proof and it's not. You can always find a way out. So, you know, it's all very well saying that, but show me the technology that will stop it. No, it's bonkers. I mean, there there will be forums and websites dedicated to telling you exactly how to beat the VPN. Um, On that, uh, and I'm sure that F1 will bother taking the time and energy it will take to shut those guys down. Speaking of being shut down... Last season, you were complaining a lot about Ferrari closing the door and not letting anybody in. But they're winning this year. So surely that means... And it hasn't made any difference. It hasn't made any difference. They haven't opened the door with Ariba Venne coming out, singing and dancing, hugging the media. No, no. The only thing that's happened so far is that the chairman has put out a press release after they win a race, which I instantly throw in the... Uh, in the virtual rubbish because I don't believe in helping him if he won't help us so he can go screw himself <laughs> Joe I just stop sitting on the fence will you just say what you think for once have an opinion okay I'm sorry <laughs> I just happen to think that he's brainless and he's been very successful running the Fiat company but if he's running an entertainment business he has to understand and a media entertainment business, he has to understand that he's dealing with the media, first of all, and he's dealing with entertainment, and he is providing neither. So, Well, he can't really complain if guys like you are not happy, given that you're basically not allowed to do one-tenth of your job. No, no, but that's not the point. The point is that, that you know, there are great stories at Ferrari. Mattia Binotto has done a fantastic job, fantastic job in, in getting this to be a competitive team. We're not allowed to talk to him, you know. Uh, the drivers are coming. Kimmy might as well talk to the trees or to an ice cream, you know, for all the value it has. Uh, Sebastian's an intelligent guy, but he's so protected that, you know, he barely ever does anything with anybody. And it's wrong. I mean, and, and, you know, Ariva Bene. Ariva Bene is no idiot. You know, he was in a press conference the other day which was the most extraordinary thing, and he quoted Bertolt Brecht. Now, Bertolt Brecht... You know, for your average Formula One media guy, that's about, you know, over the top of your head as, as rocket science, whatever, you know. So here is a man who's clearly intelligent and obviously, or it's becoming more obvious to me that Ariva Benny is not the man in putting the media embargo in place because he worked in a cigarette company. He knows how to communicate. He's been selling cigarettes for a lot of years. And he knows he got to be a, he got to be a president of a vice or a vice president or a deputy, but whatever. He yeah, got not to be by big, accident. He got to be a big banana in Philip Morris, and it wasn't by accident because he knew how to communicate. So he's in another job. He's obviously in a difficult situation. You know, he scowls and he he does the sort of Heathcliff stuff very well. But you know, the fact is that they could have a much better story. They could have a lot more support um, if they were if they played ball. People want to like Ferrari. 
It's just that sometimes Ferrari is just behaves in an idiotic fashion. And this is one occasion when it's doing it. Uh, referencing and your... incidentally, when I say things like that or write anything bad about Ferrari, I get zillion abusive emails, texts, whatever, from Italians saying I'm biased and bloody bloody, but I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm just very happy when Ferrari actually joins the rest of the planet. Usually, Ferrari is very successful when foreigners are running it, but that's another story. I have no strong opinions about Ferrari fans one way or another. Thanks for listening to Missed Apex Podcast. Uh, Mark in the chat room there says, F1 journalist Joe Saywood in strong opinion. Shocker. Yeah, we don't we don't have him on for his looks. Sorry, Joe. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, talking about uh, some Ferrari hopefuls, we have young Leclerc uh, there at Sauber. At the moment, looking like he's not quite getting the measure of Marcus Ericsson. It's three races in, but I've had quite a lot of correspondence from listeners saying, see, Marcus Ericsson's not bad at all. And actually, I think people may have been expecting a bit too much from a rookie, but people are disappointed that he hasn't come on the scene and just exploded. Why? I mean, it was fairly clear that he wasn't going to explode. I thought, anyway. You know, Marcus is not bad. Marcus is, is okay. He's a decent peddler. He's not... He's not um, He's not world championship material, but he is a decent peddler, and he's the best Swede they've been in for a while. So, um, you know, good for him. And Leclerc, maybe he came out of Formula 2 with a little bit too much... Um, uh, hype? Hype? Hype. Hype is a good word, yes. Yeah, too much hype. Um, and, you know, he's got to learn a lot of stuff. So he's going through the process of learning. Ultimately, will he be faster? We'll have to wait and see. I would think he possibly will be. But Marx has got a lot of years of experience as well now. So there's there's a huge amount in Formula One from experience. And I think people need to understand that with the exception of Max Verstappen, who was a quite exceptional talent, um, who went into a very good car as well, by the way. Yeah. Um, and was lucky too. Let's face that. His first victory was, was, was fundamentally massively lucky. But that's the sort of thing you have to have um, that makes you move on up the ladder and gives you confidence. The other thing is confidence. Confidence is so important to drivers. Those who've got it gain time. Um, and those who haven't got it don't. So someone said to me, um, it's too hard for rookies to come in because there's no testing. But surely if you're coming into the premium motorsport against 19 established F1 drivers, that's supposed to be difficult, isn't it? Yes, of course it is. Now you, it's never been easy to get into Formula One and get competitive. It's never, ever been easy. Okay? It's as simple as that. You know, you're up against the best. It's, you know, you can make the speech out of Top Gun, you know, the best of the, the best of the best, the bloody, bloody bar, you know. Let's do um, that. Yes. Top Gun. <laughs> Come on, let's watch Top Gun, everyone. But it is, it's that kind of a thing. They are the best of the best. And um, you've got to fight your way to the top. And, you know, if you're a Nico Hülkenberg and you're still fighting your way to the top and you may never make it, you know, because he's been around for such a long time and people are sort of looking over his shoulder now and looking at these young kids and he's probably thinking to himself, well, that's not fair. They don't want to look too far past him at the moment. I mean, he's making signs look ordinary and he's the best of the rest by far. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Well, is he? I mean, he's, at the moment he's done well, but I think... When the McLaren gets a bit more sorted out, I think we'll probably see Fernando kicking in there. Yes, uh, I'm sure McLaren will will be at the top any minute now, um, as we've been waiting for since 2013. It's any race now, isn't it? 
No, it takes time. They have they have recovery period to, to deal with. They have to remember they are one of only two teams that changed engines. So you know, changing engines is a big deal. You may not think it is, but it is a big deal. So we have to give them a bit of time, and, they, and, and they're saying, you know, we'll see in Barcelona when we get the the next upgrade, and everybody will have an upgrade. Everyone will have an upgrade. But isn't McLaren's a bit a bit different? Isn't like this what they meant to start the season with? They've essentially been running last year's chassis with the Renault. Uh, I don't know if you can say that, but I think what you, what you are looking at a situation where by they will they've learned a lot because they had a new combination of stuff they learned a lot in testing it takes time to produce all the bits and pieces and that's what they're doing so you know we'll see um we will see how much they can close the gap and how much they'll be on the case of red bull that's the ultimate red bull and renault you'll see with the three of them as pretty much you'll be a decent judge of which which chassis is better joe do you think we can fix f1 would you mind taking a few minutes at the end of the show here to fix F1 with me? But it's not broken. Well, they were all getting together and deciding what to do. No, no, no. The Formula, Formula One is not broken. Formula One is a fantastic show, which you've seen three times. I would say, okay, some people argue that Melbourne wasn't great, but I thought it was very interesting. There was a big crowds wherever we've been going. Formula One is not broken. Formula One is doing very well. What they're trying to do now with their commercial proposals is make it better. So, well, and their commercial proposals are very, very sensible. You take money away from people who don't need it and you push it in the direction of the people who do need it. You have a budget cap, so the big teams have to slim down. And guess what? The talent will go across to the small teams. So you will find who can afford to buy the talent now because, you know, it's a balancing of money and a balancing of talent. Wait, 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 wait. Budget cap. How likely is that? I'd say it's very likely. Really? Because I feel like I've been hearing this my whole adult life, that they're going to restrict spending in Formula One. Yeah, but that was in the days of Bernie Eccleston, and Bernie Eccleston had no desire to do anything apart from let the people at the top win. So, so we are we... It, oh, it, yeah, it, so. What he, all he wanted to do was make more money, okay? These guys want to make a better show. Now... Their argument is if Ferrari and Mercedes want to go off and do something else, they're quite welcome to go and do it. But this is what we want. We want a better show. We want a more competitive championship. And if you start getting the cycle going up as opposed to the cycle going down, it's happening in IndyCar racing at the moment. To a, you know, IndyCar racing is a much smaller um, game than Formula One, but everything in IndyCar is spiraling upwards at the moment. And that, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to take over the world and challenge Formula One. It just means that it's doing better than it was. And, you know, that is really good. They've got new cars, got a new generation of drivers. The racing is good. They've got a TV deal coming. All these things help. And all Formula One is doing is going through a sort of uh, redefining of what's important. Now, you can have Mr. Marchioni banging on about how they'll leave. Well, go. Don't rattle on about it. Go away and find out why Formula One and Ferrari have been together all these years. Because, believe me, if if Ferrari leave Formula One, Mr. Marchioni will get a bullet. And I say that in a not in a literal bullet sense. I mean in an employment bullet because they will realize. In fact, I don't think they'll even let him do it, to be honest. 
because Ferrari is so integrally part of Formula One. I just think it's a it's a it's a rather poor effort at saber rattling. I think I could probably do better. That got dark for a moment there, Joe. Um, do you think then Liberty are basically better equipped to stand up to these guys because they've got you know other stuff and and this is a thing that they're doing and they're applying F1 and making it fit into a proper media broadcasting sphere rather than maybe Bernie Eccleston was a little bit more insular into F1, like more eggs in that basket? I think the truth of the matter was that Bernie was willing, was always doing deals. That was Bernie's thing. He's doing deals. And the deals always ended up with him getting more money. Now, if that meant he gave Ferrari more money as well, he didn't care that small teams went bust. But that is the bottom line. When Ferrari got all this extra money, small teams went out of business because there was no money to support them. So, you know, let's not uh, – Ferrari can't hold up their hands and say our hands are clean. They're not clean. They, 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 they took the money that would have kept other teams going. So they might say the other teams are irrelevant. <laughs> maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But the fact is that the team the, – the, the sport would be better off with 12 competitive teams. Yeah. And if Ferrari's not one of them, well, that's just life. Well, does this, is this bad news, though, for people who are employed as, say – F1 engineers, because if Mercedes have to go from, I don't know, 1,500 people to 500, does that not mean that basically the top three teams' engineers are basically it? Everyone at a smaller team is going to have to get back in line waiting for a job. No, it's, it doesn't mean that at all, because the smaller teams, because of redistribution of money, the smaller teams will take on other people. So, uh, so it'll just balance the amount of you, staff and you, you expertise. Have- a balancing of money and you have a balancing of talent. And if you have the balancing of the two at the same time, it works and everybody gets better. And now who comes out on top is another matter. But what's important is, and it fits with the car industry, uh, ethics as well, ethics being the wrong word, ethos, um, which is results should be based on cost effectiveness, not on who's got the most money. And that's what's wrong if there's anything wrong with Formula One at the moment, it's the fact that the big teams are just about throwing more money at the problem. Now, if you yeah. can if you can do what Force India does or the budget Force India does it at, then you're impressive. And you know, it's it, for me, Force India is a lot more impressive than than some of the other teams because what they're doing it in terms of budget and what they're producing in terms of results is spectacular. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, not not particularly this year so far okay has whatever you know you, you know <laughs> you, you use force india won't be far away when they get their new package on uh, they won't be far off and on certain tracks they'll be really on it so. now I, I do have a dog in this fight i've got a, a big uh, bet of a beer and a cookie with a neil palmer off our panel uh, i want force india and i think they I, before the season, I thought they were going to come and trump Renault. So are you giving me some hope that Force India are going to come in with a real midfield package? Yeah, but what was your bet for? That, Renault, that, that Force India would beat Renault is what I was betting, and it was for a beer and a cookie. That'll be a tough one, I would say. But certainly Renault should be, Renault should be uh, fourth. You think? Yes, they should. Ooh. Ah, so they're not going to be challenged by what are looking more and more like customer teams like Haas and Toro Rosso, like Haas, you know, being accused of having a Ferrari and, you know, 
maybe which like has been which has been completely debunked by the way it's just only people banging on about it a journalist with nothing else to write about uh Haas's, sorry uh toro rosso's sort of five minutes of glory uh, i'm a little bit at a loss to understand what happened there but they just got it all right that one weekend when they went to China, it all got it all wrong, and it was a complete mess, not to mention the collision between one another, which was a classic moment. I would love the cameras to have cut to Franz Tost's face at that point. Maybe they did. I don't know. I was probably looking the other way. But, you know, it's like sort of um, the ultimate balloon with a pin stuck in it, I would have thought. Well, they kind of said, uh, oh, it was a misunderstanding. Do you think that's genuine, or were they just closing ranks yeah, yeah, and going? No. I mean, you can't be that incompetent. I mean, Gasly just literally just drove straight into it. To, to Hartley, and that's you know, Gasly's not incompetent. I like that. Yeah, it's definitely an unfortunate error for two. The, 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 the people new who are doing the least impressive job at the moment, sadly, is Williams. Um, and uh, it, it pains me to say that, but it is the situation. It's just not very good. Okay, so let's get to the core of that because we've had loads of slack room questions. Uh, about Williams, and we've actually had quite a big heated debate. Um, now, from my point of view, there is one big, obvious, glaring problem, which is that you have a rookie and your lead driver is Lance Stroll. I don't want to do him down, but he was clearly not at the same pace as Massa, who really probably wasn't the same pace as Bottas in 2016. Now, if you could buy a second of pace in qualifying... You would, wouldn't you? Isn't haven't we reached the crossover point here where the pay driver is really impacting? I'm not saying well, it's their only problem, but but no, it's no, a big there obvious is, there one. There's probably a problem there, um, because I actually think Sorokin's quite good, but he doesn't have the experience. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Lance, well, this is his chance to prove everyone wrong, and thus far he's not doing it. So you know. We have to look at that as being one of the explanations. Clearly, the car's not as good as it was last year. Or everybody else has caught up and gone away from them, and they haven't. Um, it takes time to change things, but I just don't – I'm not inspired by it at the moment. And uh, it worries me. Having said that, today they came out with their financial results for last year, and, you know, they're better than the year before, which is not surprising because uh, last year they had the – uh, now, the year before, they had the additional bonus of Bottas's being bought out of his contract. And last year, they had the additional money of coming in from Stroll. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what their financial results are like next year um, when the prize money will go down if they don't stop getting some results. And I'm not sure the Stroll money will keep coming in at the same kind of levels either. So, Yeah, and surely they're damaging their reputation a little bit, which can't help sponsorship, not that I'm an expert in these things. Well, there is no sponsorship yeah. anymore in Formula well. One. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. You know, it, it's it's all very well saying we're going to have this, that, and the other, but you look at the McLaren. There's nothing on it. You know, there's no... The, the, the big sponsors that used to happen are not there anymore. Now, that's because of a number of different reasons, one of which is that Formula One fell out of fashion in, in the sponsorship world. Another is that television is providing most of the money now. So... Um, you know, Formula One teams have to start thinking about how to get money from sponsors in different ways. And they are all doing it. You know, they're all looking at different ways of of making uh, things for sponsors that, that keeps the budgets up. But, you know, the, the, the idea of just sort of buy some space on a car and get the coverage is not real anymore. 
Joe, thank you for another wonderful hour inside Formula One. Did you know, Joe, that Missed Apex podcast is now attracting about nine and a half thousand consumptions per episode? And that was largely down to you giving us a big boost in May. Missed Apex podcast would like to say a big thank you to you, Joe, for your support and participation. Can I leap in here and say the following? And that is, if the people who are watching, if people are watching it and enjoying it, Go out there and buy Grand Prix Plus magazine because you will enjoy that too. It is, it is, we did it in three and a half hours in Shanghai. How? Well, it was very interesting. Um, but we did it. We, cause we had to get a plane. It's as simple as that. You have a deadline, you've got to hit it. So we were done in three and a half hours. Now you get a whole magazine at three and a half hours after the race happens with race pictures, with full analysis, with features, with everything you could possibly want. It costs next to nothing. So just sign up and make me happy. <laughs> yep, that's all we want to do, Joe. Um, but if it sometimes takes you seven hours, and then if you read the GP Plus magazine from Shanghai, there's no drop off in quality. How, how do you just suddenly go, nah, lads, three hours, let's get it done? Well, it's it's very simple, which is <laughs> the fact that a lot of it's done a little bit earlier, um, which means that I just get a little less sleep. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's how it is. You know, we we our record is two and a half hours. Again, it was a plane that caused us to do it. But um, you know, it's it is. Um, we could probably do it two and a half hours every weekend. I wouldn't want to because it's it's not exactly stressful, but it is it, it's. It is uh, concentrated, focused work, and concentrated, focused work is is hard. It, it takes it, it out of you, and for hours on end too. It's not just sort of you know, it's not just sort of bang out a quick article here and there. It's putting together a whole thing, and yes. um, in a, in a, in, a, in a difficult environment too. The press centres are not great. I don't know if you saw. I wrote a post about this this cat fight going on behind me between Chinese journalists, which I'm, in the end I I had I, to go and uh, sort of instruct people to leave the press office because they were not supposed to be there joe you're you know? getting in the habit on your blogs of telling half a story you know that there's airplane stories press stories go on at least leak me the name on whatsapp i am i am a wall of confidentiality but you, but you wouldn't know the names because they're all chinese people frankie oh, i Mao thought was, you said there frankie was some Mao, domestic people involved known as the as well. chairman yeah. uh, is the only formula one proper Formula One journalist who's a regular from China, and he was being aggressed by a bunch of television types who shouldn't have been there. And so I, I decided that Frankie needed some support. And because these people were behaving badly, they got told to go away. I did it nicely and politely, um, rather more politely than Frankie did, I can tell you. But um, you know, they needed to be told because you now we don't go to the commentary boxes and bang on tambourines while they're trying to commentate let people do their jobs guys i always say to you in podcast land the way to get good podcasts is to support them now people do podcasts for a lot of reasons um no one says here's a pot of gold to make your podcast if you want inside f1 to survive and have joe keep coming here what better way could there be than to see a big leap in gp plus subscriptions why not also Ooh. tell joe that missed apex sent you so i share in some of that glory and we can all bask in the the seaward glow what is he on about i don't know i'm just trying to get the attention of the world everyone pay attention to me while i say things joe you can be my wingman anytime where can people follow you 
uh, on Joe Blogs F1. That's where my blog is. And uh, Grand Prix Plus dot com. And the plus has to be written out PLUS. But if you go there, you can find out. It's £35.99 and you get a whole season of stuff. So, it's nothing. You know, it, it makes all the other magazines look like rubbish, to be honest. And let's not forget my personal glory. Follow me at SpannersReady. Email me anything you like at SpannersReady at gmail.com. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Bam Bam Saywood. Boom. Don't, don't give me that look. I don't know what I'm doing. Bam Bam. That's, isn't that a character in the... Uh, Flintstones? Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you... I'll be honest with you. I've got a list of 100 boxer nicknames, and I'm just rolling through them. Very reasonable. Or, or silly, one of the two. Anyway, there you go. I was going to remind you about our karting event, wasn't I? Well, we're going to go for the 30th of June, which is a Grand Prix weekend. Unfortunately, that means we have no chance of getting people like Joe Sayward and Jack Nichols, who said he might come along with the team. Um, but we'll try and catch them another time. This was just the only date that we could get a lot of our panel to come on. Uh, but I'm really excited about this event. It's £79. But it's more than a one-shot. The ones we've done in the past have been, you get there, you do your hour on track, one race. Yeah, you know, it's good at the beginning, but you do spend a lot of the time in your position. And I felt like I wanted to kind of mix it up because you might spend 25 of uh, those 50 minutes just completely on your own without catching up anyone. Or the only time you see anybody is when you're lapping a back marker. So I wanted to make it a bit more of an event. So what we're going for is £79, 45 minutes on track, but spread over four sessions. So we're going to have qualifying for 10 minutes and practice. Then we're going to have two heats of 10 minutes and everyone gets a 15 minute final. So there'll be a good people final and then there'll be a, a not so good people final that I will be trying to win. That'll be my target uh, to win the B final. If you like, you'll score points throughout the day. Uh, the top 30 will go into the final uh, and continue to score points. The top point scorer will win there. We'll also have a team event. I have invited other podcasts to come and join us. Uh, I don't think we're going to get the uh, four legs, three wheels guys from the Isle of Man. Unfortunately, the dates doesn't work. But we are confident we're getting Norfolk uh, NRF1 uh, to come and join us. And also the fantastically funny guys from 4F1 Sake with Terry Saunders. They're going to bring a team down with some of their listeners as well. But we're going to have 60 slots, so you should be able to get in. But I thought that last time, and we ended up having a waiting list. So make sure you get in quickly. Email me at spannersready at gmail.com and say, I want the karting. I will put you on the list. And uh, when we finalize everything, I will send the details to you, uh, and you can have the first opportunity to come. Um, You can come as an individual, or if you want to be part of a team, you can bring a team of four, or we will put you in a team of four as well. Please don't be put off by coming to these things on your own. We will put you in a team. The people who've come on their own in the past have really enjoyed it. I myself have turned up to events like this and have, have made uh, made friends. Like, I'll be honest with you, I lonelily on my own went to a skeptics convention, I think in 2010, the... Um, QED con didn't know anyone but it was just something I wanted to do I've ended up making some great friends who I go back and see uh, every time that event is on so uh, if if you are on your own we will put you in a team uh, and everybody there has things in common they're all Formula One fans 
They all listen to Missed Apex podcast and they all love a bit of kiting. So I really, really hope I'll see you there. June 30th at Milton Keynes, Daytona. We'll make a day of it. Come and see us. It'll be in the afternoon. Um, Yeah. Okay, good. Hang around as well because on Tuesday, we're going to be speaking to Bob Varsha. And then on the same day, we're going to record another podcast episode with Matthew Carter and Summers F1 debating some F1 tech. That is going to be an epic, epic podcast. Don't don't miss that. Whatever you do, don't miss that. Then on Sunday, there's a trumpets time with Matthew Trumpets and Neil Palmer. And they're going to be doing a bit of a review of the European Grand Prix in 1999. And I would suggest if you can find a way... If you can find a way somehow to watch at least the highlights of the European Grand Prix 1999, that show will make a lot more sense. So I would strongly urge you to go and catch up with that a little bit. Um, I think it'll be well worth your time. Then you'll have a bit of context for what they're talking about. Now, I when Matt pitches me those, sh- those shows, those trumpet times, I always think... Eh, that's not going to be interesting but he always seems to pull it out of the bag so i've just got to trust that guy to be fair he is absolutely fantastic and brilliant so tune in for trumpets time on sunday bob varsha on tuesday matthew carter and summers f1 also on tuesday my goodness that makes it feel like a long long time for the baku grand prix the following sunday but we do have to remember that baku welcomed us all cool hope to see you soon guys oh Almost forgot to plug again. Missed Apex Podcast Live, 14th of July. Let me know you want to come. Email me, spannersready at gmail.com. Just tell me. It's free, but all I want to know is how much interest there is. At the moment, I'm thinking there's going to be 10, 20, stretch, 25. But if a load of you get in touch and say, no, 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 we'd we'd want to come and and watch that and take part in some quizzes, um, have some drinks with you guys, then I can think about changing the venue I've got in mind. But let me know. Let me know soon. Otherwise, we're going to have limited spaces. All right. Waffled enough, haven't I? Okay, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 